Welcome to Symptoms of a Creative Mind. I am your host, Zabrana Bastard, writer, musician, traveler, all-around creative type person. The purpose of this podcast is to share snippets of my life. Part of what makes being an adventure seeker so amazing for me is all the interesting people I have met along my travels. So I'm using this platform to introduce you to the ones I know and the ones I'd like to know better. Together, we'll dive headfirst into our passions and the driving force behind them, giving us all a chance to dig a little deeper into what it means to be human. So hey, welcome to the fourth episode of Symptoms of a Creative Mind. I am your host, Sabrina Bastard, and today I have with me Molly Mess from Some Kind of Nightmare. Hello. So Molly and her husband, Shy, just got done playing a show last night at Lucky Liquor in Tequila. This episode actually doesn't come out till Wednesday the 12th, so where are you guys going to be on uh, Wednesday, do you know? I want to say Salem, Oregon, actually. Oh, nice. I think so. My hometown. Blast blast off vintage, if that's the 12th. I think so. Check that out, you Salem cats. My friends, my buddies, my family down in Salem. You like punk rock, you should go to, where's the venue again? It's Blasted Vintage. It's um, it's a vintage shop with a venue down in the basement. Oh, nice. I didn't yeah. even know that existed. Yeah. So Blasted Vintage in Salem, Oregon, Some Kind of Nightmare is going to be playing on Wednesday night. You better go. You better go check it out because these guys are awesome. They've been touring forever and you will love them. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I met Molly. God, it's been a while. I, I was still touring. <laughs> I want to say 2013 or 2014. That makes sense. Because we found out a couple of years later that I'd actually seen you guys play at Punk Rock Picnic, even though I hadn't met you guys yet back when you still had blonde hair. Oh, yeah. My mind totally sucks and I completely forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said like it was like your first time out or something. Or yeah, something. yeah. It was our first time in Washington, I think, when we met you. Yeah. So you guys, what 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 do you do? Tell me. <laughs> Other than being a fabulous female vocalist bass player extraordinaire what what uh how did you guys get on the road um well we did a two-week cross-country tour from san diego to new york and back and it felt like home um it went so smoothly and just felt so right and we had been a band at that time for like about six years and we had wanted to you know pursue music full-time that's why we moved out to california from ohio and one day, Shy came home after we got back from that tour, and he kind of threw me for a loop and said, we're going to quit our jobs, and we're going to leave home, and we're going to live on the road for a year. And at first, my gut reaction was, no, we worked so hard to get out <laughs> of San Diego. What are you talking about? And um, he talked me into it, and we've been on the road ever since. <laughs> and you and Shy, you guys are actually high school sweethearts, right? We are. We are. We uh, started dating junior year. Nice. So, but we've known each other since like the eighth grade. So, how long have you guys been together now? Uh, this April will be seventeen years. Wow. Yeah, we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What's it like being on the road touring with your husband? That's amazing. I don't know. It's um, we are, we're fortunate enough to where we share the same passion and um, we make things happen together. Like I couldn't imagine being as motivated without him like he definitely pushes me and motivates me in a good way and i hope i do the same for him that's pretty cool i absolutely love you guys i love you (laughs) very much like it's been awesome watching you grow watching you persevere and keep going in the scene Uh, you did have some downtime for a while because i know that you 
And a really weird thing was that you and your grandmother got diagnosed with breast cancer at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that was back in 2015. Um, I had found a lump in 2014, and I ignored it for a year because I've had lumps since high school. And I had just had a mammogram for another lump, and everything came out fine. And so I just ignored it for a year, and my mom finally just (laughs) made me a doctor's appointment while we were in between tours, and I was able to get on Medicaid after I was diagnosed. But yeah, they, uh, they did a biopsy, they did a mammogram, they did an ultrasound. Luckily, the timing was just right, I suppose you could say, as weird as that is. They had done a some sort of run marathon, a marathon for uh, women's benefits, or I don't remember what it was called. My ultrasound and my mammogram were completely covered, and I didn't have to pay for them. Oh, wow. So if, you, if you're going through a scare, if you're going through anything uh, where you feel you need to get checked, um, there are programs out there to help. You can even contact American Cancer Society and they'll have programs available in your area to help you. And one of my, my best friends uh, recently beat breast cancer. I, Jessica, the one I put you in touch with um, when she was going through. And she said that the medical system, there was like a group that worked with the Salem Hospital that was just absolutely incredible. They did like a wig class and like they got to like pick wigs and do like art projects and do all those things. That was actually really empowering for women who were going through it. And oh yeah, there, there's so many awesome programs. There's uh, Look Good, Feel Better. And I recommend that for everyone going through chemo. You get a free makeup bag. They teach you how to draw on your eyebrows because everything thins out. Um, they teach you how to tie scarves and... It's just a good way to be around your peers of people going through this similar situations. When you were going through that, like, were you living pretty close to your grandma at the time? Yeah, we were staying with my mom in Ohio, and my grandmother's was about 45 minutes away. We healed together throughout the whole thing. I was diagnosed on July 23rd, and I want to say two or three days later, she was diagnosed. So it was like literally back to back. And then... Um, our surgeries were like two days apart. So Shy and my aunt pretty much helped us as we were re- recovering from the mastectomies. So uh, it was pretty intense. And you had a double mastectomy, right? Yeah. Did your grandmother as well? She had a single with no reconstruction, but I, I had a double mastectomy, double mastectomy with reconstruction. So did you get any flack for that at all from anybody or was everybody pretty supportive? There was one individual, um, and it was after touring. It was it was after everything. We toured through um, Pennsylvania. I'm not going to say the specific city. She just worded it in a way of that it was shallow, and it, it really I couldn't even process what she was saying until after we were leaving, and I just I couldn't contain myself. I just burst into tears. Um, so pretty much it's the conversation had started out by saying, hey, insurance legally has to pay for reconstruction if it's due to cancer. And I was saying how that's a positive thing. And she was saying, oh, of course, men sexualize everything. So of course, it's going to be covered by insurance. They want to sexualize everything. And that's where she was trying to come from. And then she she looked at me and she said, she knew my situation. So there's no doubt about that. But She looked at me and she said, I mean, there are people without running water right now. That's not a priority. That's pretty shallow. And it just, it just killed me. She wow. ended up driving back and telling her 
off a little bit. But So how do you feel? I mean, that seems really rude, especially because, I mean, you went through an extremely traumatic experience, losing pieces of yourself and doing what you can to regain some, you know, sense of normalcy, persevere, and move forward. So, I mean, like for you getting that, you know, doing the implants after you had a mastectomy, like, was it more empowering or like, how do you feel about it? About having reconstruction? Yeah. Um, everybody knows their body um, and knows what's best for them. My, like I said, my grandmother didn't go through with it and I had wanted her to have reconstruction. It just helps with as much as possible. Your body changes so much, but it does, it can help with body image. But she said, you know, I, I don't want to do it. And I said, I, I totally respect that. I mean, that's, that's fair, you know, because yeah. as you get older, it's harder to recover from surgeries. I think you just, you know, what's best for your body. And I definitely had wanted reconstruction. I, I don't know. I also have a friend in Oregon who didn't have reconstruction and she's, I think she's happy with her decision. So, I mean, it's, it's all very, very personal. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm really grateful for the insight because in my early twenties, I was very against plastic surgery, this, that, and the other, and just being a little dickhead. <laughs> And then it took me to go through that to realize, hey, we got to do what makes us feel good, what makes us feel right. And if that includes plastic surgery, if that includes something to make you feel better and get you through a situation, then who the hell am I to judge that? I think the sooner that we stop judging, especially women, for what we do with our bodies, the better it's going to be. That makes sense. I actually, I used to... uh be really anti-breast augmentation when I was younger. And I had a conversation with this guy online one time that he kind of put it into perspective for a little bit for me because he compared it. He's like, well, at the time I still had all my piercings in and I'm covered in tattoos. And he said, you don't want anybody telling you what you can or can't do as far as, you know, your art and what you think looks best for you. And I was like, well, yeah. He goes, you know, getting breast augmentation or any kind of plastic surgery, essentially it's the same thing. It's you choosing what you want to do with your body. Yeah. And if you're doing it because it was your decision, yeah. then it's really no place, you know, it's not my place to judge. It's not his place to judge. It's about the person and how they feel. Like I feel better with my tattoos, you know, like I prefer to have to be inked. I prefer to look a certain way. I prefer to put certain clothes on in the morning yeah. and it is really a dick move and it was a dick move on my part to judge people for having breast augmentation or getting plastic surgery. Well, I think where it stems from, I don't think our intentions were mean by any means. I think we wanted women to feel empowered just by being their natural selves. But then sometimes we just gain new perspective and just say, well, it's, it's how they feel. It's what they want to do with their bodies. Now, that being said, there are, I feel there are certain um, things to look out for, though. Like with if you have body dysmorphia, it can definitely go a little extreme. And so basically with body dysmorphia, it can become an obsession. And just because you get one, what you see as a flaw, if you get it fixed, most likely you're just going to focus on another flaw and it's just going to turn into a vicious cycle. So just just be cautious with that. That's I guess that's the only PSA I have with that. <laughs> you know, how did Shy handle everything with you going through 
the whole cancer thing. I mean, I, oh my god, he he was like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> he cried a bit when when he found out, but he became fighter mode. It was just fight mode, and um, even even when I still have scares, you know, he's still just ready to go. Like if. Because it, it's scary on the road. As soon as I find a new lump or something like that, I'm like, oh, God, it's back. It's just my initial gut reaction, which it shouldn't be that way, but that's how it is, you know. And he's just very tough. And he's like, okay, let's do what we got to do. Let's make you an appointment or let's take you to the hospital. Let's get it checked out. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And there's no hesitation. It's just, let's go. He definitely got me through everything. That's really cool that you have a supportive partner, a supportive roadmate. It makes it nice because there's always going to be at least two of you in the band. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys have gone through a lot of drummers. Every time I've seen you guys, you have a different drummer. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot to ask somebody to live on the road full time. One thing I will say, this is a good way to gauge your relationship, I suppose. If your spouse is not willing to drain your drainage tubes, they may not be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's love right there. <laughs> that is beyond love. Wow. No, that's powerful stuff. I, it, it always makes my heart happy seeing you guys out there doing your thing. I mean, Thank you. I don't get to catch every show. I would love to, but <laughs> I definitely stalk you guys on Facebook. And Oh, we like we like being stalked <laughs> like that. I just, I love seeing how uplifting you guys are to each other. I mean, a lot of people always say they got their ride or die, but... You literally have your ride or die. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. That's for sure. That is definitely for sure. What are some of um, some of the challenges that you guys have faced recently, as far as being on the road? Because I mean, you've been. You said what? 2013 is when you kind of didn't look back and have been yeah. on the road full time. Yeah. So, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced jumping into this life together? Um, when we first started out, we were making payments on a van. And the van got repossessed, so don't do that. <laughs> just buy an old shitty van that's going to break down <laughs> and just learn to repair it. <laughs> right. Um, band slash band mechanic or yeah. van, van mechanic. Yeah. Um, some of the recent ones, we while we were taking a Christmas break in Ohio, uh, our van crapped out on us and we bought a new van. Well, we ended up buying a lemon and we didn't know it and the transmission was going on going out on that. And um, people donated and everything, and we bought another van. But it, it was just all in the span of two weeks. There was just, as, as our friend Cody said in Las Vegas, uh, December of 2019 happened. I think that so many people went through so much trauma in December of 2019. <laughs> it was nobody's month. Yeah, all in the span of two weeks we went through. This is our third van. <laughs> <laughs> that was really intense, but we were fortunate that our family was able to drive us around and find another one and just <laughs> gets intense. <laughs> That's pretty cool though. You guys have gained a lot of, seems like you guys have gained a lot of supporters and some pretty hardcore fans out there here lately, which is really good to see. You guys are so kind and loving and so passionate about your craft that it's really good to start seeing a community start to recognize that. 
it's very, very rewarding and um, it boosts morale for sure. We are grateful for all the support that we've gotten through the years and we couldn't have done this without you guys. Like the year that I was diagnosed and when we had to cancel that tour, a lot of those shows, they just, without us asking or anything, they turned into benefit shows and just sent us money. Like even though we didn't play it. That's really cool. I will never take the punk scene for granted ever. Has there been any noticeable change between like when you were touring before you had cancer and had to take that break and then going back into it after? Because I know I, I spoke to you a little bit last night and you were saying how it took a long time to heal up, to be able to hold your base again, to, you know, work into playing again. So coming out the second time around after cancer, what noticeable changes have you seen? Oh, God. Um so many things, so many things. So when we hit the road again, I was already, because when we stopped touring for that year, I think I was 29. So then when we started touring again, I was 30. So just going into your 30s, you know what I mean? That's a whole new thing too. But I was definitely more exhausted from the chemo still. I didn't have as much energy. I'm on tamoxifen, which is an estrogen inhibitor. The estrogen was feeding the cancer, so that's why they had me on tamoxifen. You get such bad hot flashes, and your body just goes through so much, so much change. I was dealing with PTSD, uh, severe depression, severe body dysmorphia. So the first, the first year back was super tough, super tough. But it was important for us to get back out there, and it was important for me to see all of our friends across the country and... And then when I started making announcements before songs about cancer and, you know, explaining what they were about, almost every single show I would have people coming up to me sharing their story of either them or a loved one. So heavy, so heavy. I've cried at the merch table with so many people, <laughs> but you have to do that, you know. Once there's a healing element to that also because you feel less alone. I yeah. Think. For yeah. anyone that experiences any kind of trauma, but especially because you've been through this battle, you've experienced it. So it definitely helps you connect to those in your audience who have also gone through this trial and the struggle yeah. as well. We lost uh, my husband's sister mm -hmm. uh, to sickle cell leukemia. Um, it's been like four, I think about four years now since she's been gone. And it it's always scary, like when my best friend got diagnosed and when you got diagnosed, it's because you know that that it suddenly mortality becomes a very real thing. Definitely. And um, definitely faced with the fact that you could potentially lose this person. Like it's, it's definitely a huge blow. So uh, as with anything, trauma sucks, but not having to go through it alone is huge. Yeah. And when you've experienced personal loss due to like a disease, you know, it's almost like more liberating when you see your friends survive. Yeah. You know, because you don't want anybody to go through the pain of that loss. So it's, it's, it's really important. And I think it's great that you took that experience and have turned it into not a shameful thing, but an empowering thing it to connect with the people around you more. I think it's, I think we need to, great. we have to talk about it. We have to, be aware of it, of how prevalent it is. It is an epidemic. In fact, it's it's kind of ironic that we're doing this on February 9th. It's the year anniversary my grandmother passed from cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Everything comes into full circle, I suppose. Um, yeah, unfortunately, cancer likes my family a lot. We've had 
one to two diagnosis in our family every year since 2015, except for 2016. 2015, my mother and my grandmother. 2017, my mother ended up getting um, uterine cancer. 2018, my grandmother's was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And then that same year, my mom was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. 2019, my uncle was diagnosed with prostate cancer. It's been such an intense journey. Um, if it's very prevalent in your family, just stay on top of your health and get checked. And there's genetic testing. Insurance is going to fight you, but try it. I don't know. Just, just see what loopholes you can go through to get it. Essentially, don't give up. Just keep trying to find something to find help. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, American Cancer Society is definitely a very good resource. When my husband's sister was going through everything, I was trying to, she was working on moving up here. We were going to try and find a place because um, mm. the cancer hospital up here in Washington is actually like really good and they have a lot of really good resources and stuff. And we were going to try and find a place so that uh, she could move up here, but her immune system couldn't handle much of anything. So she Aww. wound up being in ICU for a long time. And she actually didn't die from cancer per se. She, um, Her body rejected the host graft. And so it ta attacked her immune system. And Aww. so it was a long it was a long process um, for it to end out the way that it did. But I'm so sorry. It is what it is. You know, I mean... Thank you, but it's definitely been a struggle for everybody who was close to her. Absolutely. It's so hard. It's such a such a difficult thing to go through, to see somebody go through. It affects so many people. So, and I get off that a little bit and kind of switch gears, but uh, you guys are on tour. You just, guys, you just released an EP, right? Uh, we actually just released finished recording an album and it's not it'll be probably a month or two before it comes out i think what's it called transplant pulse transplant pulse and what's the motivation like what's is there a theme to that album or as always ours is always overcoming struggle healing being nomadic finding ways to keep being nomadic when when society wants you to not be nomadic <laughs> <laughs> so that's i think that's the gist of it do you have any favorite tracks off of that album? Uh, Salem, Inside Salem is my favorite song off of that album. And that's that's definitely about healing for sure. Inside Salem? Mm -hmm. Is that specific to the city or? Salem, Massachusetts, yeah. Every time I'm there, it just, I feel good. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it. And I don't know, the science buffs out there are going to be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> but but I just get a certain feeling, especially in the New England area, like I'm supposed to be there. And um, I just feel whole. I feel complete when I'm there. And it, there's a good vibe about it. And so no matter what I'm going through, I just feel good when I'm there. Nice. So that's kind of the basis of what that song's about. Mm -hmm. Just the healing aspect of it. Nice. I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> it was the second song we played last night. But yeah, there were, there were several bands. <laughs> there's a lot of bands in this. Lucky Liquor, I think, is great in the way they treat their artists. Their sound could use some work. <laughs> <clears throat> there's definitely times it was hard to hear vocals. So, gotcha. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, I'll have to take a look, take a listen mm -hmm. when the album comes out. I've been listening to uh, Driven Red. I really, really like that song a lot. Oh, thank uh, you. It was going through... 
your guys' videos from recording down in Portland at Bridge City Sessions. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was just great. Because Thank you. Watching your guys' video on that was probably one of the most powerful performances I've seen since I've been watching you guys. And then seeing you guys last night, it's like even better. Like oh, I think you. you guys have just really grown as a band and you're so much fun to watch. I mean, you thank always you. have been, but the energy is just absolutely incredible, especially because you're very tiny with this big bass. <laughs> <laughs> like you just own it. Like it's not even... Oh, thank you. That means a lot coming from a fellow bass player. <laughs> Shh. I don't play bass. Uh, yeah, I do, I guess. Yes, sometimes. You do. It's there. It's, it's there. there. It hangs on the wall. I play it sometimes. It's in your soul. Yeah. No, it's it's always awesome. Actually, as as a female bass player, it is always awesome seeing more female bass players out there. Yes. For <laughs> so. the love of everything, yes. If, if you're female, you know, trans female, female, just pick up a damn instrument play some shows with us damn it (laughs) (laughs) it's always it's just great you know there's so many things that women are taught that we can't do you know i I remember when uh, i actually first started playing bass i was the only female that played an orchestra bass until i got to high school and then there was two of us and she was really i'm actually still friends with uh the woman that i was in class with and she was really excited because there was finally another female bass player as well because, yeah. you know, she played the instrument. She also found the same thing. So we kind of bonded. Then. That's awesome. And I mean, it's a friendship that still spanned into our, you know, mid to late 30s now. Yeah, that's so wonderful. music is definitely a good connector, I think. Music is what keeps us all going. Uh, there was a quote from Kaylin Andres. She had quoted this from, I don't remember who the original quote was from, but the point of art is to heal. And that has always stuck with me since I read her blogs and everything. I definitely recommend checking that out. It's called Cancer. uh, What was it called? Cancer is funny. Cancer's not funny. Cancer's hilarious. Terminally ill. And it's, (laughs) it was such a good blog. Terminally ill. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely recommend it. It is a tearjerker, though, for sure. I'll add that to the links for the show, so you guys can check that out. Look at the links. There's always going to be links, so there's there's going to be links to some kind of nightmare. There's going to be links to the stuff that Molly's talking about today. There's going to be links to all my pages, to my Patreon, where you can promote or not promote the show. You can promote the show, but you can support <laughs> the show uh, through Patreon. I am on there, and right now it is... Uh, all the money that comes in from Patreon is what pays for hosting for this show. So you guys should check that out. Patreon.com slash Bastard. Just a little plug right there because I keep forgetting to do it. I've heard good things about Patreon. We are not on Patreon. It is fun. I got on Patreon because of Amanda Palmer. Yo, I read her book, The Art of Asking. Yeah, she. Uh, I went to go see a show. I took my friend uh, last June. I think it was, or ju- early July uh, when she played Seattle. She's on this crazy empowering tour right now uh, called There Will Be No Intermissions, where she talks about some really hard, deep shit, um, specifically as it pertains to abortion and reproductive rights. And it's like a four plus hour show. And wow. it is just absolutely incredible. And I, not that I want to get on a huge topic of Amanda Palmer right now, but I would say that she directly inspired me to do this, to quit my job, to get back into art and music because I had been so art starved 
for so long, I didn't realize it wrapped up in working construction, but it wasn't until going to her show and connecting with my friend, I had been really closed off from everyone and I really missed it. I missed connecting with people. I missed art. I missed, you know, aspects of my life as it was before everything changed. And I was like craving it so bad that, you know, every time I, I worked, it felt like it, uh, it killed off another little piece of my soul, you know, more and more and more. And it, so it's crushing when you can't create, create. Yeah. 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 I was too tired. I was working like 50 to 60 plus hours a week. Um, a lot of weird schedules, a lot of graveyard shifts that I really only had time to grocery shop. You know, I was, I have a button business. You guys should check that out. Becca makes buttons.com, which she made some last night and it was awesome. <laughs> they also support this show. I would press buttons. I would show up to work early to press buttons in the parking lot. So my sleep for the last couple of years has been two to four hours a night trying to keep my business going, trying to keep just everything going and watching Amanda perform and say the hard things that needed to be said. I realized that I was avoiding art and music because it's honest, it's healing, it's powerful, and I wasn't ready to heal fully. And since that day... It's been like a chain reaction to where it got to the point where it was like, I need to quit my job or I'm going to kill myself, you know, which is a weird place to be. But it was just the lack of time to do what actually matters to me. And as I'm quickly approaching my 40s, I feel like, you know, if I don't jump now, eventually it's going to be too late. And then also not only that, but like watching like you guys grow because you know, I've been off the scene for five to six years, like watching my friends grow and seeing the progress that you guys have made, I feel like I'm so fucking far behind on so many things. And I'm like, it doesn't matter because I have to push that out of my head because today you starts can't now. Compare. You gotta, you gotta just get out there and do it. And it's not too late for sure. Is it? Just no. get out there and do it. Just make it happen. Well, and I'm glad. Like I made the jump uh, the Friday before Christmas. And I took two weeks off to spend time with family and relax because I know me when I'm in work mode, I'm in work mode yeah. 24-7. If I'm awake, I'm working. And so I took some time off to spend with my husband and our family, his family, um, for Christmas and New Year's. And then it's been hit the ground running ever since. Good. And it feels great. It, it like. I love being able to come out and see you guys play last night. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was so rad. I mean, like for... You know, a long time it's been focusing on work and not going out to see shows, not getting. I've had a lot of friends come through that I've missed that I would love to see and I've missed them. And I, I, it's time to stop doing that because I do feel better. My husband always tells me, you feel so much better when you go out to a show. Go see a show. Yeah. Go be around your friends. Go yeah. find your community. And I do. I feel connected. Art is good. Art is good. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I felt like. It doesn't feel like comparing. It's just, I understand that it takes five years being dedicated to your craft to really start to make waves. I mean, I told you that (laughs) when I first met you and, you know, sitting back and seeing, I've had a lot of friends that have just stayed dedicated to their craft. And it just made me sit there thinking, what am I doing? Like, not that I wasn't comparing and not comparing myself so much It's just, it was time for a change. It was time to get back to what I love and I'm grateful. It's now like doing these podcasts. I'm doing the podcast, doing my band, like, cause I do have a new band called Showing Teeth and all of that. 
the more I do, the hungrier I get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put these out. Um, every episode comes out every other week, but I really want to do it every week. And I really want to do it, you know, multiple times a week. And I have to kind of gauge myself and ease myself into it slowly because I want to make sure that things don't spin out of control and I take on more than I can handle. That's so smart. That's <laughs> so, so smart. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's really not easy. Um, the way our country is set up, it really is set up to fit their mold of you grow up, you go to college, you get married, you find your career, you blah, 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 have kids. Um, and if that's what you want, that's fantastic. You know, do it. Um, but that doesn't fit everyone. No, and, it doesn't. And for those that it doesn't fit, it makes life a hundred times harder because <laughs> you have to figure out how to survive. I don't know. You just have to find loopholes to make life work without falling into the mold that's going to crush your soul. <laughs> yeah. So like what's an average day for you guys on the road? Let's see. So we wake up at a host's house. For me, I try to do uh, five to 10 minutes of yoga, five to 10 minutes of cart like light cardio. Um, we try to make bre breakfast smoothies when we can. <laughs> And then we hit the road and take turns driving, promoting the show, booking. We get to the venue. Uh, at that point, I usually need a nap because I've been up way too damn early. And then we support the bands and we sell merch and then head to our host house and it continues. Call my mama. <laughs> <laughs> so is there times where you guys don't have a host house? Uh, it, it, once in a while, it, it doesn't happen too much anymore because we've been doing this so long but sometimes we'll go through a new area and most of the time it's just sleeping in the van like when that happens um once once in a great while depending on weather we'll get a hotel room what's that like sleeping in the van sometimes the best sleep i ever get is sleeping in the van <laughs> but sometimes it's cold and sometimes it's not pleasant and a shower boosts morale and um, <laughs> that it does. A shower sometimes makes everything better um I don't know. You just make it work. You got to do what you got to do and make it happen. That's right. It's funny. I, I mean, I ask, obviously. I've slept. <laughs> people who don't know me, but, but people who do know me, I've slept many times in a van. But I always just think it's interesting to see like other people's take on you know road life. Because I know a lot of times people who don't tour and don't have those experiences, like they think that we're just out there having fun, fucking off, doing... God knows why. Oh, and just... if only they knew. <laughs> this is one of the hardest jobs in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, oh, you're just out there having just having fun. It's like, well, yeah, but sometimes some tours are harder than others, and sometimes that fun is the 20 minutes on stage before you find out the promoter's not going to pay you, and you have no gas, yep. to, you no money yep. to fill the gas tank. You know, so that's. Uh, you know, and there's only three people that showed up to the show, <laughs> you know. And walked out during your set. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there is fun to be had. There is fun to be found. But it really has to be a passion. It really has to be something you love. You know, I've told people before, don't do it unless you're going all the way. Unless your heart's fully in it. Because if your heart's not in it, you're going to hate it. And I know yeah. a lot of people that hate touring. They love everything about music except for touring. Yeah. That's, and that that's fair. It's it's hard. It's a hard life. It, it It is. But it's, is it worth it to you? 
you know, it's, it's, it's a need for us. I mean, we're just a bunch of idiots that toured, <laughs> have been on the road for six years, going on seven. People ask me why we still do this. How long have we been playing and why? And it's a need. It's therapy. It's, this is what feels right. This is what we're meant to be doing. So we're doing it. What are your favorite parts of being a touring musician? Uh, the people you meet for sure. Dressing how I want to dress. Letting out any angst. Keeping myself balanced. Getting my passion out there. Continuing my therapy. We've been a band for going on 14 years now. And um, it's just the best therapy I've ever had. There's definitely something healing in the release. Definitely. Well, if you keep everything bottled up, that just leads to everything bad. <laughs> and I, like, we just... Um... My new band, we haven't left the basement yet, and uh, my husband was like, what's going on with you? You know, because our guitarist, uh, he does stunt fighting and movies and stuff like that, and so he'll he'll find these troops that he wants to train with, and he'll just take off for a couple of weeks. So he just got back from Australia after learning how to fall and doing all these different stunt movie things with this troop, and we didn't really practice well, actually, we didn't practice at all the two weeks he was gone. And I got really depressed and kind of weird. And my husband's like, what is going on? And I was like, I don't know. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, haven't been to band practice in two weeks. Yep. And he's all, that sounds like a reason. And yep. we got there and everybody's like there. And we're like rusty because we haven't played together in two weeks. And I was like, let's stop doing this. Like, I really don't like not practicing, even if one of us is not here, like, and everybody's like, yes, we need to just keep doing this because it feels it is a release. Like no matter what you're going through, you can just put it into your instrument, you know, and, and I guess that is one thing I miss about playing the bass is that you can beat the shit out of the bass and it still sounds like a bass. You beat the shit out of your voice and you sound like I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think I, I over I definitely overdid it at, at practice. Uh, but it's nice because. It's getting stronger because it's not, I'm not talking like this, you know, so before it would completely kill my voice when I first started really rehearsing with this band. Well, you had been out of it for a while and that, yeah, that, that adds so much strain when it's not, I mean, like it's, it's with any type of muscle, any type of exercising, um, you stop for a long time. It's going to be hard to get back into it. Oh, for sure. It's going to definitely push your limits. Oh, it's hard to be patient. Yeah, You know, and I think yeah. about, you know, how conditioned my voice was when I used to tour all the time. And, you know, my limitations are if I really try to sing like that right now, I'm going to blow up my vocals, possibly permanently. So, you know, I need to just take that step back, relax, take the time to just rebuild it. Because I certainly didn't sound like that the first time I ever sang, you know, when I was at top condition. So it's not Vocals are so hard. Like people don't understand. It's so hard. Um, it's it's just a constant love hate relationship, and you're you just want to push yourself to do better, but you have to have patience. I love your voice has been changing. Like I I noticed like I uh, I don't remember what song I was listening to that you guys were singing, but there's one where you actually have like some softer tones. The first time I saw you was well, the first time I met you, we played a show together at mm -hmm. the Voyeur in Olympia. And it was just go, 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 fast, 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 scream, 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 which is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love punchy in the face punk rock, <laughs> you know, I always have since I was a kid, but there's like a softer element to your voice 
that is matched with this raspier, I don't want to say Joan Jett, but it's got like that Joan Jett aggression because I don't think you sound like Joan Jett. But it's like when I first heard you guys play, you could have been a million different punk rock bands Mm -hmm. with, you know, just that energy. It was the energy that set you apart. But now your guys' voices are starting to set you apart, not just the way you play, not just what you put into it, but your voice is actually starting to develop and shine in a way that I think is really cool because you're becoming distinctive. Thank you. So um, That's huge, actually. <laughs> well, I just, I like I said, I love watching people grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you stick with anything for long enough, it's you're going to have a different result. You're not going to sound like you did when you first started out. And like a, a, a common term is well-seasoned. Yeah. You know, tour, yeah. tour will season you. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. so seeing you guys grow, seeing the powerhouse that you've become is really awesome. But I really like how your voice has changed over the years. Like it's very, it's more dynamic. It's got more levels and fluctuations. And I just think it's, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to hear. Oh, thank you. That, like I said, it's been a love-hate relationship to where like, I don't know, one one day I'll be listening to recordings and, no, that sounds really good. And then two days later I'm listening to recordings and I'm like, oh God, that sounds awful. Like it, it, it's, it's just a self (laughs) thing. We're our own worst critics. Yeah. Yeah. It's so whenever somebody compliments vocals, that just, that really means a lot and that boosts morale, you know? I get it. I hate almost everything I've ever recorded. Oh. lyrically <laughs> like I, listening there's a couple times there's a couple of songs i really love like i love sidewalk i think sidewalk came out really well i look back and i'm like why did i even release that but i mean you have to start somewhere and there's i know that i have fans that don't feel that way they're not they're exactly. not mad at me for putting that out you exactly. know and exactly. it, it's cool because i mean that's where i grew up but i get it like i'm my own worst critic and i like to sometimes i just have to tell myself to shut the fuck up get out of your own head yeah i'm not the one buying this album i'm not the one that is connecting to this album the way that my fans do so shut the fuck up and just release it <laughs> you know, so. my, my cousin once said um it's better to put something out that's not perfect than not put anything out at all absolutely and that's i truly believe that full-heartedly there's um a marketing guru seth godin he wrote a book called purple cow many years ago and I subscribed to his blog back in 2011. A lot of his words over the years I've taken to heart and it definitely helped me to invest in myself more, market myself more. But one of his big things that he always talks about is send it anyway. You can, you can polish it and you can finesse it and you can change it and you can alter it as many times as you want it's a never-ending cycle but if you never send it it's not going to go anywhere and what's the point so it's you know he always says send it when you're not ready just send send it it anyway that's amazing i think we need to tell ourselves that daily (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can only polish something so much you know nothing's ever going to be perfect so true so when does uh when does this tour end this the one I know your tour tour never ends for you really, but this leg of the tour. Um, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I want to say May, maybe. Well, Shy mentioned last night too that you guys were going to be releasing an album and doing a tour for that. 
Oh, so May. Okay. I think so. And then come back out. That sounds... I know we're taking a week off in May, week and a half. So <laughs> I just go by that. It might be sooner. Who knows? I can't keep up with us. Where are you guys headed after? Because you guys are in Washington for a few more days, right? Yeah, we're playing Bremerton tonight. We're off Monday and playing Tacoma on Tuesday. And I think we're going down to Port, not Portland, uh, Salem. Salem on Wednesday. Yeah. So for those of you just tuning in, if you're, you know, because this, this podcast comes out every Wednesday, it's, it's coming out February 12th. We're recording it on February 9th. So the Washington dates, if you're listening to this now, you've already missed out. Sorry. <laughs> but the good news is you can check the links. The links, the links, the links, and you can see where some kind of nightmare is touring and catch them next time because they will be through soon. You guys are usually through Washington a couple times a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're coming back in April. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to get shy on the show. Get yes. The, yes. the other half of this dynamic duo. My little shyness. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, is there anything, um, anything you want to add? Anything you feel is important to say we didn't touch on? Just make it happen. Just go after your passion. Success is not defined by everybody else. You've got to define it for yourself. It's very important. Definitely. And stay on top of your health. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Molly. Really. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I appreciate you carving some time out of your tour schedule. Well, we appreciate you letting us crash in your house. (laughs) (laughs) It makes it easy. It's it's funny. You're the second guest. Uh, that was staying in my studio. So <laughs> I just need to come stay in my studio and we'll record a show. Hey, I'm talking to any of you out there that know me. Come stay in my studio and we'll record a show. <laughs> but um, till then, have a great life. Yeah.